There's what I want to see. Okay. Something told me I was having problems. And we're going to read in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. And it's a, it's a passage that you all have heard. It's often read at uh, funerals or memorial services. But it's a truth that we need to touch upon and maybe dig deeper into that we haven't dug deeper into before. Maybe you have. But it goes like this. For everything, there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what's planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek, and a time to lose. A time to keep, and a time to cast away. A time to tear, and a time to sow. A time to keep silent, and a time to speak. There's a time to love, and a time to hate. A time for war, and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to us. May the Lord add his blessing uh, to the reading of the word this morning. Do you think your life is balanced? Somebody said to me one time, read Ecclesiastes 3, God will balance your life for you if you don't have a balanced life. And as you read through those things, a time to kill, a time to heal, all those things, you'd have to ask yourself the question, why does God allow, and I want to be very clear about that, why does God allow or permit the things to happen that happen? Because we love it when it says that there's a time to live But I don't suppose that many of us love it so much when it says there's a time to die. There are 14 statements that make up this passage in the first to the ninth verses. And Solomon tells us in that passage that God is at work in the individual matters of your life and mine. And in the things that he has allowed to happen in our lives, he is working those things together so that his will is accomplished in us. And so when we accept or assimilate or accommodate the things of life into our life, and it's so hard to do that sometimes when something comes along that you don't want to have come along, God is able to take that and give meaning to it and make it make a difference. That's the reason in the 11th verse it says God makes all things beautiful in his time. Sometimes the things that are happening right now don't appear to be beautiful, but in his time he can make those things beautiful. 
I want to walk you through this just a verse at a time, and we're not going to touch every verse, but we're going to look at things just a little bit here this morning before we get to our bottom line. I'm going to move back one more time because the sun's coming out. For everything, there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what's planted. Have you noticed, and I apologize, I'm having real trouble with my slides this morning, but have you noticed that we humans have reached the point where we believe that life and death are actually in our hands? Think about it for a minute. We've legalized abortion. And I'm not going to get on the abortion issue, but think about it for a minute. What have we said in that? We have the right to determine someone else's life. God has control of birth at his fingertips. Did you realize that? Look, 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 if you would, at the nightly news and pay attention to how many people are getting shot up in so many places. We've just developed this mindset that life and death belong to us. We've figured out how to have babies in test tubes and placed in a surrogate mother. We've learned so much scientifically that allows us to maybe reach the point that we believe we really are in charge. But Solomon's trying to tell us something here. God has control of both life and death. They are not accidents. I often tell people that I have a divine appointment. The book of Hebrews tells me that. It's appointed unto men once to die. There is coming a time when I will meet my maker. When Jacob came home, after you recall the, the, the story of, of him and his brother Esau fighting, you know what the first thing out of his brother's mouth was? He sees his brother Jacob coming. They've had this big fight. And here comes, uh, here comes Jacob, and Esau blurts out, the children, whose are these? You see, here comes Jacob, and, and he's got all these kids coming behind him. He had lined them up, and Jacob's answer was this. They're the children whom God has given me graciously. I want you to pay attention to that answer. The children who God gave me. Jacob understood that God gave him those children. Remember when Abraham and, uh, and Sarah were so old that they couldn't have children? And they had Isaac. You go to the book of 1 Samuel, you find that Hannah was childless, and she went down one day, and she prayed and prayed and prayed, and the Lord gave her a little baby. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me, and it said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah understood that God had brought him into existence. And who could forget this great passage from the psalmist? You formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. I'm fearfully, I'm wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you in the depths of the earth when I was made in secret. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Think about that for a minute. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written my days, every one of them that were formed for me when there was yet none of them. And so when, when, when Solomon comes along and writes here in Ecclesiastes 3 that there's a time to be born, he's saying God has that under control. God gives that to us. And likewise, when he says there's a time to die, there's also, he says, a time to plant and a time to reap. There's a time to kill 
and a time to heal. And when you read that, if you see in that the notion of war or of killing someone, that's not what's going on in that verse. What's going on in that verse is this was a, a, a people who lived with plagues and with hunger and with blights. And there would be matters where they would be killed by what happened. How many times in the last year have you said COVID killed somebody, right? So that's what's being talked about. But there's a time that that happens. But there's also a time to heal when people get better. There's a time to throw stones. And there's a time to gather stones. There's a time to embrace. And there's a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to tear and a time to mend. And just so you know, when you were grieving, you tore your clothes. When you were repenting, you tore your clothes. But there came a time when things had to be fixed. There came a time when you had to get beyond that. So there's a time to mend as well. You put things back together. Then you read this, there's a time to love and there's a time to hate. And that gets so difficult. You mean to tell me that the God of love expects me to hate? Think about this for a minute. One passage I know of says there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. The psalmist said, oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. So the truth is that there is a time to love the right things and to not love the things that are wrong. What's God's purpose in all of that? In the, in the ninth verse, and right here is where the, the message, you need to maybe listen a little bit better. In the ninth verse, Solomon says, what gain has the worker from his toil? Now I'm going to just tell you a little bit about what the next verse says. Solomon says, I've seen the business that God's given to people. Now, just stop for a minute because I want to rehearse something with you. When the question is asked, what gain has the worker from his toil? Have you ever done something and then when you were done, asked yourself the question, why did I do that and what benefit was there in that? Have you ever done that? I've done that. And when the writer of Ecclesiastes Solomon says, what gain has the worker from his toil? I want you to get that verse, that word toil down. Toil means work. Toil means more than work. It means the labor of life. It means when things live and it means when things die. It means when things are torn and it means when things need sewn up. It means when things break and when things need mended. And he's asking the question, What gain is there when the worker has these toils? And he says, I've seen the business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. Just so you know, that word business, that work part, what, what good does the worker have from all of his toil? Toil is the hard labor. The worker is the one that doesn't. It. And when it says, I've seen the business, it means the step by step. It means the things that we do. He says, I've seen the business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. He says, I've observed all of this. Now you're saying, Joel, I can't, I can't put a bow on this I'm not quite getting your thought here because you went through that whole thing living and dying birthing and all that listen 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 
when he says, I've seen the business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with, he's saying, I've watched the birthing and the dying. I've watched the planting and the harvesting. I've watched the killing and the healing. I've watched the breaking down and the fixing, the weeping, the laughing, the mourning, the dancing, the stones thrown, the stones gathered, the embracing and the lack of embracing, the finding things and the losing things, the keeping thing and the throwing out things, the tearing things and the sowing things, the silence and the speaking, the love and the hate, the war and the peace. I've seen what people go through. Solomon's really saying here, I'm a people watcher. And I've noticed what life is about. It's all of this. God's given that to everybody, to each one of us. Jesus would have said it this way, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. He's permitted it. He's not caused it. He's permitted it. And Solomon says, I've pondered this question. What gain is there from all this toil? And just so you know, if you were to look at the 11th verse, I've already mentioned it, but I want you to keep this in the back of your head. He's saying, yes, I've observed all this, but he's also saying God makes everything beautiful in his time. He has put eternity into our hearts so that... We cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Let me read that again for you all together. He's made everything beautiful in his time. He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Can I tell you what Solomon's saying? He's saying God wants us to realize that all the matters of life we cannot explain away. And the reason we can't explain them away is because God's ways are not our ways. Let me get a little bit closer to home with that for a minute. Be so very careful when when you face someone that's facing a tough time with how you treat that. What Solomon just said was, it happens to all of us. We've all got a balanced life. We just can't see it when we're in the middle of it. You've got to be careful that you don't say to somebody when they've lost someone that they love, well, God must have needed them. What's that about? Or you must have done something wrong. That's why you've got this problem. You've got to be so very careful. So what gain do we have from all of this? And in the 12th verse, Solomon says this. I perceive that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful, to do good as long as they live, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his toil. This is God's gift to man. Now stop for a minute and understand what he just said. I'm headed somewhere. There's nothing better than to be joyful and to do good as long as we live, that we should eat and drink and take pleasure in our toil. This is God's gift to them. You know, remember a few weeks ago we had that big storm? Do you remember the big storm passed up my way up there? Our basement flooded. 
Janice and I, on a, I think it was a Thursday or Friday night, are carrying everything in our basement out to the garage. We carry it out there, and there was cardboard boxes that got wet and all this stuff. And we put it in the garage, and we didn't deal with it. And at the end of the day, my back hurt. Yesterday, or maybe it was Friday, Janice said, we got to sort that out and take stuff to the thrift store and throw stuff out. So let's get on it. And today my back hurts. And Solomon just said, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We need to take pleasure in that. You know why? Because God, it's the 11th verse, God has set eternity in our hearts. Why does God put eternity in our hearts? This world should never satisfy us. We've got another home. Did you ever hear the old timers? They used to say, I'm going back home. What they meant was, I'm going to die soon. This world's not our home. If you go back to creation, church, listen, back in creation, God creates man and woman, Adam and Eve. He places them in the Garden of Eden. And I'm not going to read this whole passage to you. I've got it written down here. But it was a beautiful place. And in the 15th verse of the second chapter of Genesis, I, just, I do want you to hear this word. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work. To work! To live and to die. To tear and to mend. To gather stones, to throw stones. And unfortunately, what happened in that beautiful garden where God had placed all of his humanity at the time, sin took place. In Genesis 3, when that takes place, weeds and death and dying come center stage. You know what happened for Adam and Eve? Birthing and dying, planting and harvesting, killing and healing, breaking down and fixing, Weeping and laughing, mourning and dancing, throwing stones, gathering stones, embracing, not embracing, finding, losing, keeping, throwing out, tearing, sowing, silence and speaking, loving and hating, and war and peace. And that's one of the reasons that Paul in the New Testament says, we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God. And are called according to his purposes. It's because the toil and the work of this world is not what we're here for. We were put here for fellowship with God. Yes, sin entered the picture. And all that stuff showed up because of it. But it's not what we're here for. God set eternity in our hearts. You know, when I was first married, and I got flu for the first time. Janice had come into the room, I'm laying on the couch, and I'm sicker than a dog, and she'd come in and she'd say, can I get you something to drink? And I didn't want to hear her voice. She'd come in and say, here, I got you this, you might want to try to eat, and I'd be like, get it out of here, I don't want to deal with it. And it just went on and on and on, and finally we reached this agreement that when I'm sick, just leave me be. You know what I realized in that? I wanted my mother. (laughs) Did you ever just want your mom? I wanted my mom. 
God has sent eternity in our heart, it's because there's something we're longing for that's better. There's something that, that is we are made for. And all of this labor and toil of this life is not what we're here for, but we, because we know Jesus, we know that all of these things will work together for the good, and we can love him here in the midst of it and have joy in the midst of it because we know that our home is not here. We're just passing through. And that brings me to my bottom line. The daily grind helps to develop an eternity mind. Let me explain to you what I mean by that, and I'll, I'll, I'll get into it, and we'll get, we'll get through this. The daily grind brings an eternity mind. You know, if you don't have Jesus, when the Xerox machine breaks down, it just breaks down, doesn't it? When the car gets a flat tire, it's just something else that I've got to fix. When our relationships break down, whether it's in marriage or friends or whatever. It's just the way people are. But when we know Jesus and we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes, and we know that Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another, that your joy may be full. We understand that the broken Xerox machine, the flat tire, and the broken relationship need to be handed over to him. So that our daily grind can give us an eternity mind. The book of Isaiah 53. Listen to what Isaiah wrote. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now why do I bring that up to you? On the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he came and on the cross he carried the flat tire. He carried the broken Xerox machine. He carried the cancer. He carried the death. He carried all of that stuff so that our eternity mindset could become a reality. So that what he intended in creating us in spite of our sin could come to fruition. Jesus one day spoke and he said in in healing, I think it was Peter's mother-in-law, he said, this has come to pass so that what could be fulfilled by the Isaiah prophet takes place. He took our illnesses and he bore our diseases. You see, Christ came so that our eternal destiny could be won. So that the living and dying and the toil and the work of this life would not just be for this life, but it would have purpose for our future. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't only die for our sins, but he died to redeem it all. The weeds, the grass that won't quit growing, the cancer, the sickness and the death. That's what Jesus wants for us. A relationship with him without all of those things. Amen.